Welcome to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. We share teachings and trainings that empower Christians to overcome fear and change the world by knowing God personally and making Him known to others. If you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. Well, it's great to have with us Mike Thompson this evening and always thrilled to have him with us. Uh, Mike, uh, is, he and his wife, Ramey, are alumni here. They've, they've gone through their training here at YWAM Orlando. Uh, they went back with our training. In fact, we used to call this family night. He was correcting us tonight when we called it community night. But we found out when we said family night, people in the community didn't think they were welcome. We wanted to make sure everybody felt welcome, so we call it community night. That's why we do that, Mike, just so you know. But uh, Mike is one of the key pastors, a part of the pastoral team of a large church in the Orlando area called, actually a multi-facility church called Discovery. And uh, he's, he's a man of the word. And he, he loves Jesus, he's a follower of Jesus. But probably what's most exciting for me about Mike and his wife, Ramey, is their family. We love these guys, and we've run together for a lot of years, and it's always a privilege to have Mike come and bring the word of the Lord and impart his truth to us. So would you join me in welcoming and honoring Mike as he comes and joins us? For you. Thanks, Joshua. Let me bring it up here. Yeah. This is a workout. You get a workout in the gym in the morning, and then you get to bring the podium up here. Well, Lori, thank you for, for Mike, and just thank you for the word you've given to him tonight for us, and we just posture ourselves with an openness to receive from you, and so we ask for your, your anointing, your clarity as he speaks to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was a pretty good explanation, so it's community night, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to mess around with the Berg. It's not happening. I agree. Amen. Who's happy to be here tonight? Yeah. Good. God, can we all stand together? Let's do our schmeh. Of course, this is our daily declaration. This is our daily declaration of who God is. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. If you guys uh, don't like uh, Hebrew, uh, you should. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 is where we find this. It's, a, it's just a prayer that Moses or God says to Moses to teach to your children, to never forget, to tell to generations that follow. And it's why uh, I feel that even though not Jewish, it's really important to do this. And, of course, I say it to my kids. Just because you tell God you love them doesn't mean you stop telling them. And so every day you got to remind yourself of who he is and what place he is in your life. And that's why we do it when we wake up. We do it at night. Amen. All right, there's my spiel of Shema. Okay, here we go. All right, a couple Hebrew words. Just repeat after me. And again, Shema cannot be said cutely. There's some cute people in here. Praise the Lord for you being cute. Amen. Tonight is not cute time. This is time uh, to be aggressive. Amen. So let's say this. It's Shema Yisrael. I love it. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbors as yourself, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, thank you very much, you can sit down, cool. Amen. Thank you for doing Shema with me. Appreciate it. I can just dive right in. You guys don't need an intro of me, right? I'm Mike. 
There you go. All right, let's dive into the word tonight. I, I'm very excited what I have to share with you. Usually when I teach, I, I don't really have message notes, but hopefully tonight we're good. Yeah, we got some stuff to go up there. All right, and uh, because th there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm gonna be sharing with you. So here's my suggestion. If you have a phone or you have something that you're taking notes with, please write this down. Uh, this has become, this sermon is has become something of, of, of a message uh, of a long time. I don't know. And if you're a teacher, there's, there are things that you get right away, kind of like songwriting, right? You get a song right away, you get the whole thing. And then there are certain ones that you deal with and you meditate on and you consider, and then you apply it to your life, and then when it works, you say, I need to tell this to everybody. Uh, and this has kind of been that message for me, but there's, there's a lot of components. And, and tonight, I want to present it to you, and then I want, I want us to discuss it together. Right? I, I want to spend some time, and then I want to pray over you. So, so I, I would suggest that you write these down. There's no way you're going to remember all of them. Uh, but, but they're simple. They're not deep. And, and I promise I won't give you too much Hebrew. I'm going to give you a little, though. All right? We're ready with that? Yes? All right, we're going to start reading in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Very uh, important passage of Scripture to me. Uh, if you were, grew up in the house that I grew up in, uh, you got... Uh, desserts for memorizing scripture. Anybody had a parent that did stuff like that, little incentives for scripture memorization? Uh, and of course, in my house, you only memorize what my dad calls King Jimmy. There's no King James. That's his, his personal friend was King Jimmy. And so you only memorize King Jimmy. And so I actually memorized this in a song when I was a kid. And I don't know if anybody memorized this song, Psalms 1. Anybody did that? No, that's just me. Uh, there's no way I'm singing it, but... Uh, this is a really pa powerful passage, and I've known it since I don't even remember. There's, there's just scriptures in me that I don't know how I know, and uh, honestly, I don't think it's a coincidence that me and all eight of my siblings are walking with the Lord, that we love Jesus. My dad was crazy about memorization of scripture. Uh, that guy pretty much memorized most of the New Testament, so uh, it, it, was, it was a daunting task, but we, we, we had to do that. I mean, if you're going to get ice cream, you had to know some scripture. So this is one of them. Ready? It's blessed is the man, or blessed is the one, it's weird to read an NIV, it's just like, it feels wrong, but I'm going to do it for you guys, right? Blessed is the one who does not walk uh, in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. I don't like it. Okay, let me, I'm going to, you look at that, I'm going to say it in King James. Are you ready? Blessed is the man who walketh not. Doesn't that sound more powerful? In the counsel of the ungodly, or, or standeth in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scorners, uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Verse 3, it says, that person is like a tree, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and in whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 22. We're definitely going to be dealing with Psalms 1, but Genesis chapter 22, just one verse, it says this. It says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and winter, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Pray with me. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word, which is a lamp into our feet, and it's a light into our pathway. Uh, God, we thank you that your word brings light. It, it lightens our feet. It helps us see. And, and so, God, we pray that you will help us understand where to take this next step now. 
So often we're thinking, God, of the future, and that's not a bad thing, but God, we're thinking about what's to come and all that you've called us to do and the plans that you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope in the future, and we, we love that about you, God, that you are the God that, that plans, that thinks, that develops in us. But God, you are also the God of the first step, of the next step. And so God, I pray that you will help us see our step now, that we will focus on our feet where you put the lamp of the word of God so that we see where to step next. That's what we're praying today, that you will illumine our feet to help us see where to go now. And finally, Lord, I pray that you will speak through me, not for fame or reputation, but for someone to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I'm gonna talk to you about the subject of seasons, seasons. Uh, but before we go into that idea of seasons, I, I need to do a little brief explanation of, of God and time. God and time. Now, now, now uh, I was actually doing this with some of my DTS students, so, so the DTS students, you kind of know this, it's a bit of a review, but we talked about how, how God doesn't really fit in our timelines. I mean, the way we look at time is we look at time as linear, right? There, there's a timeline that we all have come accustomed to, right? In the timeline, there's usually this middle point in it where this is now, right? And then you have kind of 10 years or 20 years before, and you can kind of say, well, look where I've come, and this is where I started. Or, or maybe you have a birth date, and this is now, and then usually there's some sort of ending date, right? There's, there's an ending to it all or, or something like that. We, we understand time that way because we're finite beings, we have a definitive beginning, and ultimately on this earth, we're going to have a definitive ending. Yes, no matter how hard we pray, at some point, uh, we're going to go, right? Uh, but yet, we understand that from there, we're eternal, and, and eternity is, is forever and ever. And so, we understand eternity very clearly as it pertains to where we're going from here. Eternity starts when we were born for us as a, a finite being placed on this earth, and, and we have eternity to look forward to forever and ever with God. However, understanding God, it's a little different and difficult to place him in a timeline. I mean, you can understand where he exists now with us in here, but, but where was God's beginning? It's weird to think about because for us, eternity makes sense going forward, but he always and eternally was. So more than just he ever will be, he always was. And so where do you place God in a timeline? He doesn't fit. There's no room. In fact, if I were to draw a line, I would have to keep drawing until I die. And then when I'm dead, it'll still be like, well, you broached a little bit of where I've been. Kind of how I've come to being. And so the way we understand time in God is not linear, but more circular. Circular makes way more sense to where God is in time, especially because in a circle, there really is no beginning and there is no ending. There's no starting point of a circle. A circle just is, and it constantly goes. And so in order to understand time, you really have to understand circles. I'll show you it in Hebrew. The word time in Hebrew is the Hebrew word moed. And I put this up there, and this is good for you to understand. It's the word for time. Moed, everyone say moed. Moed is the idea of appointed time or the time in God. So every time you see the word time in your scripture, it's the word moed. But the perfect translation of moed isn't time, it's seasons. 
It's interesting, right? So instead of using the word time to understand God, the best way to understand him is, is seasons. And then I showed you this, that the word for year in Hebrew is the word shana, which means to repeat. And so the idea of time for God is not necessarily linear, but a little bit more circular, which if you think about it, makes sense. Because time to us is circles around our sun, right? I mean, we, we spin around one time, and that is what? Well, okay, we are us. We spin around one time, and that's a day, correct? Our earth spins one time, and one rotation of our earth is one day. But then it spins as it spins, and if we get all the way around that sun, at the end of that, of course, that's one year, right? And, and then at the end of it, it, it repeats again. And so time is always understood as circling or going around and coming back to the same place. It's an interesting concept because if that's true, then it kind of says something about the way we view God and our expectation of how he fits into our time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And if you have it, write it down. I didn't put it on the screen, but I, I want to read it to you. There's just one little statement that said that I love. And it's showing you that in Hebrew, time and seasons are used interchangeably. And in this one verse I found in Scripture, they use both. It's so crazy. Look at it. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can look there on your phones, right? It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. That's written to show you that time and seasons are interchangeable. In fact, in some translations, you've even, you, I can, I've read it, there is a season for everything and a time for every activity under the heavens. So that word time and seasons is interchangeable in the Bible. And that's a very important thing to understand because time is always connected to a season. So what does that say? Mike, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. It might not be, it's, it's not, no, let me say it again. I'm sorry because I haven't said it right yet. Here we go. It's not that it's not your time. It just might not be your season. See, a lot of times we get frustrated with God as it pertains to what we expect him to do for us. And we fit it and place it into a pocket of time of our expectations. And a lot of times our broken promises or, or frustrations that we have against the Lord is because we place him in a time that fits for us, that makes sense for us. God, you're going to come through for me, and hopefully you'll come through for me in the next month or so. <laughs> hopefully you're going to come through for me when I ask it or, or that you'll do it the way that I want you to do it. And, and, and I think the way that God works is that he doesn't work on your time. He works in his seasons. There are seasons for everything. And so I have to understand seasons in order to understand what God is doing. I'll give you an example. If right now I were to book a ticket in January to go to Boston, Massachusetts, to go to the beach to swim, would that be a good decision for me? No. Now let's say I prayed and fasted for an entire year. Makes sense, right? And I said, Lord, I bought this ticket. There's some beautiful beaches up north, and I believe in you, God, enough that I'm going to hold on and pray and fast so that when I go to Boston in January, it will be beautiful for me to get into the water. What do you think about that decision? It, it won't work no matter how much you pray. 
no matter how hard you fight for it. And the reason is, is that God doesn't work in what you want. He works in his seasons. So there are certain seasons that your expectation has to be based on the season. You, you got to have an understanding of where God is in seasons rather than in where he fits in you. Because he does something and you are fitting into his world, not the other way around. See, we don't try to evolve God into our world. We have to change us to evolve into his world. It's why a while ago I, I taught you guys this Hebrew word, ahad, and, and I want to remind you of this word, E-C-H-E-D. Ahad is the idea that God is first. We say it in Shema. We say, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ahad, right? Love the Lord your God. The Lord is one is what we say. Ahad means one, that God is first. But it's a little simplistic to say that it just means God is first. What it really means is that God is only first. Meaning that if he's second, then he doesn't fit. The only place that God fits in us is first. And if he's not first, my question to you is where does he fit? And so it's one of the reasons why we have to focus ourselves on what he's doing, not necessarily on our emotions and what we feel. And so understanding seasons helps us to understand God. In Psalms chapter one, it makes this crazy statement. He says, the persons who are following after the Lord, who are delighting in him, who, who want to be like him, are people that are trees planted by water that bring about seed and fruit in every season. And so our responsibility is, no matter the season, to bring about fruit. Your role is to bring fruit in every season that you're in, not the easy ones in all of them. And so how do we find that? And, and what season are we in? And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna lay out for you the four seasons that we're dealing with. And I'm gonna lay it out the way it's explained in Genesis chapter 22. He mentions these four seasons because I contend that every single one of us are in a season. We're in this season of time. And what's interesting, like the word Shana, there is a repetitiveness to your seasons. And anybody that's been with the Lord long enough understands that. There are seasons that are good, and then there are seasons that it's a little bit harder. There are seasons that you feel distant, and then seasons that you feel really close. I think understanding and mastering the season we're in helps us to understand God and really helps us to, to, to focus our prayers on what he's calling us to do in each season. Here are the four seasons. And the first one, of course, is the season of sowing. It's a sowing season. It's a season of spreading out and pouring yourself out. This is a season that, that in, for many of us, uh, is marked with giving of yourself and pouring of yourself. Season of, of sowing is the season where you feel like no matter what, you feel this urge and this pull to pour you, yourself onto everyone. Pour yourself onto everyone that's around. Now, prayerfully, this is a season that we embrace for a long period of time, but, but it's important for us to realize that there is a sowing season in our lives. In times of sowing, and I put this up here, I believe that it's important if you are in that season to have a focus. And so in your sowing time, our focus needs to be on intimacy. Because what you're sowing is going to be a product of your intimacy. 
Now, I know there's some younger people in the room, so I won't go too crude with this, but, but the truth is, is that we are the direct result of intimacy. Everybody understands that, right? I don't have to go deeper than that, right? We are all the direct response to intimacy. Enough, we got it, everybody. We don't have to go deeper. There's some teenagers in the room, right? Intimacy. I got five kids, so there's intimacy in my house, okay? I mean, that's, I'll, I'll leave it there. Intimacy produces something. And in the same way, in the same way, the seeds that you are going to produce spiritually are a result of your intimacy with the Lord. It's a result of your time with him. Times of worship and, and times with him and intimate relationship and oneness and connection will produce something. And so, if you are someone who is constantly sowing or you're in the season of sowing, your focus has to be on worship and intimacy with the Lord. Because what's gonna come out of you is a product of what you're spending your time in. And so, as we're considering what we're doing and what we're pouring, I, I want us to focus on what is the product that comes from us. And what should come from us is a direct result of our time with the Lord. That we need to focus on spending that time with him. And so in seasons of sowing, our focus has to be on being intimate with the Lord so that what is produced is of him, not of ourselves. The second season is the season that most people wanna be in. It's the season of harvest. Now hold on, don't put the quote up yet, but it's the season of harvest. This is a very important season, and it's a season that everyone kind of wants to be in, right? That's the season where you get everything that you've laid out, right? That you've put things before the Lord, and now you're in a season where it seems like everything that you've placed out is coming to fruition. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Where there is a season where it almost seems like the years and years of prayer are coming to fruition. Right now in my life, for the past two years, I have been in a constant season of harvest where I've poured and poured and poured. And finally, in a crazy way, everything that we've poured, all the time we've spent, all the people that we've counseled and been under us are in this incredible harvest season where everything we've prayed for is coming to pass. It's a time of harvest. A little while ago, we moved into a house in this past April. And when we moved into the house, we realized that we had a mango tree in our backyard. Anybody like mangoes? Amen. You know what's even better about, what's, what's better than just mangoes? Free mangoes. Trust me. And free mangoes straight from the tree where they're still warm from the tree. Ah! Yo, it's real mango juice. Guys, we had mango with everything when mango season came, okay? We had pizza with a side of mango, right? My wife made some spaghetti. We were like, what's our side dish? She said, we got some bread. I was like, I don't have bread, but we got mango. All right, let's do it. Mango and spaghetti, mango and pizza. Whatever it was, we had mango as a side dish. We, we had so many mangoes. And one of the things that I realized is as we were gathering our mangoes is that uh, there were certain days where I just got tired. I mean, this tree was huge and there were so many mangoes and, and there were days that I would forget and I would miss going out and harvesting these mangoes. And, and when I would get out there after a couple days, or I remember I went away for a weekend and came back and I went out and I saw that there were all these mangoes laying on the ground and all the insects had gotten to them, right? The squirrels had ripped them apart because they just wanted the nut in the middle and they got rid of all of the fruit and I was angry like, you took the worst part. What are you doing, right? Uh, what happened? Let's work together. I'll give you the seed. You give me the meat, right? Uh, anyway, I, what I realized at that moment 
was that in seasons of harvest, our focus has to be on consistency. On seasons of harvest, our focus has to be in consistency. Because if we're not consistent in our harvest time, we actually missed all that God has for us. And it tends to happen that when things are going well, we stop being consistent with our time with him. Is that just me? When things are bad, it's very easy to fight your way to the throne. But, but when things start going well, it just becomes a little bit harder to consistently do the things that we're supposed to do. In times of harvest, our focus has to be on consistency. My father gave me a, a really good way of seeing harvest, and I'm going to give it to you. This, it's the fourfold or the fourfold laws of the harvest, and I love this. The first one is you reap if you sow. That means that you don't reap. I mean, you don't sow, then you don't reap. So you reap if you sow it. If you're not sowing anything, then you're not going to reap anything. That's very simple, correct? You're going out waiting for something to come that you never planted is not going to happen. The second one is you reap after you sow, which again sounds simple, but how often are we frustrated because we expect God to do something for us before we actually sowed anything into the ground? You reap after you sow. It's, it's really important to keep that timeline in mind so that when I pour my things into the ground, when I pour my life onto others, there is something that's going to come out of that, but it comes after. The third one is the one you know well, you reap what you sow. And so whatever you put into the ground, you will reap. Galatians 6, 7, for example, says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so if you're sowing destruction, you're going to reap destruction. And it's why, again, in seasons of sowing, our focus has to be on intimacy with him because you're going to reap what you put in the ground. And so if you're putting into the ground frustration or anger with God, then that's what's going to come out of it after time but you reap what you sow into the ground. And then the final one and the one I love the most is that you reap more than you sow. Anything you put into the ground is going to come back way more than what you put in. I mean, a seed itself actually can be consumed and you can eat a seed, it's gonna be really little and it's not gonna be very significant, but you can consume it. But if you were to take it, put it into the ground and allow that seed to die, then what's gonna come out is so much more than what you put in the ground. And so in times of harvest, we have to be consistent because we're going to reap if we sow, we're going to reap after, we're going to reap what we sow, and then finally we're going to reap more than we sow. The third season, and I'm moving along, the third season is the season of summer or heat. This is usually marked, hold on, don't put it up yet, no, not yet, sorry. This is usually marked by dry times. I love that, just turn it off. Yeah, beautiful, I love it, right? This is usually marked by dry times in your life, dry seasons in your life. All of us go through it. This is the season where it's very difficult to get into the throne room of God. I mean, there are other times where it's, where it's very simple. In seasons of sowing, for example, you constantly are with God and constantly with him. But there is dry times and, and hot times where it becomes a little bit more difficult to press your way in. I think it's during dry times that we get really frustrated because usually dry times aren't connected with something that happened. It's just your mood. You ever notice that, right? There are times you wake up and it's just, you know, today or this week or this month, it's just been very difficult. It's been a dry time. Now, the only thing that you do, and of course, in the times of summer, and we live in Orlando, uh, when we have summers, what we do is we focus our vacations around some water, right? 
It, it makes sense. I'm not going to go somewhere and, like, people go to Disney and go to that stuff. It's crazy. No, I'm going to the water, a water park, a beach, because I don't want to hear my kids complain all day. Eventually, I want to throw you in some water so you cool yourself down. In fact, the only way to truly quench your dryness is with the thirst of the Word of God. And so I say this. In times of summer, our focus needs to be on thirsting after him. It's in your dry times that you should be now putting into practice all the things you've been reading over the course of your life. My uncle got some really bad news about 25 years ago. He found out that he had a cancer, uh, some sort of uh, prostate, and it wasn't cancer, but it was the pre-stages of it, and, and they were saying, you're definitely gonna get it, and, and he started to believe the reports of the doctor and started to live in this fear of what was going to happen, and, and he was going through a massive dry time of hearing from the Lord, and so you know what he started doing? He started taking scripture and putting it in his, on his wall so that everywhere he would look, he would see that scripture, promises of God. Guys, right now, if you go to my uncle's house, his entire house is littered with scriptures on every single wall, everywhere you look. And it was his solution for his dry times. Guys, hear me. It's not wrong that you're in the dry time. It's wrong when you stay in it. We all go through dry seasons. It's not always easy, but it's during those dry times that you have to do something about it. And it's your time to fight for this. It's not always simple, and when it gets difficult, to me, that's what defines you as a believer. And then finally, lastly, is the season of winter. This is a season marked by coldness, by hard times. Winter seasons are usually seasons that are marked by really bad news or, or maybe something physical that happened to you or, or, or you heard that, that you lost something and, 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 and winter seasons are, are usually just difficult seasons in our lives. We all go through winters. I remember the loss of my uncle as a kid was such a deep winter for me. Right, and, and, I, and I couldn't understand it because we had prayed and prayed and prayed and, and it didn't happen the way that we expected it to. Right, it didn't happen all the way. And of course, we've all been there where you've made the prayers and you believe in that prayer and that person still passes away. Or, or it doesn't work the way that you thought it would and, and you then enter this, this winter season, this hard, long winter season. Guys, hear me. The point of the winter is to endure. The point of your winter is to get through. And so we have to learn and to see that we are in a winter and that we need to hunker down and endure it. Now, anybody here that's from up north understands that a little bit deeper than someone down here. Because when you're from up north, you don't get frustrated in winter. You change the way you live. What you do is you put more blankets on your bed. You turn the thermostat up. You better, you better pay that oil, right, or, or, or gas bill, and you gotta make sure there's, there's heat enough. And then you put extra blankets on, you put on more coats, and you bundle up and you endure it. You can get angry through it if you want, but it doesn't matter. You're gonna go through winter. And so the purpose of the winter is to endure. In fact, in times of winter, our focus needs to be on patience and on waiting. I think there is something to be learned in your winter seasons to get you through so that you can endure and still produce fruit. I'll close this all with this one story. A little while ago, my mom uh, called us, it's about three or four years ago, and she said, I want you guys to, to all of you to come up for my birthday. It was her 70-somethingth birthday. I think it was her 70th or, 
and I hope my mom doesn't watch this because I don't remember how old my mom is, but, you know, she's asleep probably anyway. She's a, she's a little, you know. So, so, but it was one of the birthdays, right, of hers, and her, her birthday gift was all of us come home and bring all of our kids. And we were like, sure, mom, of course. And so we prepared, and we looked at tickets, and we got it all, and we were finally ready in about a week and a half before we were going to Boston for my mother's birthday in, this, in the month of January, right? Pray for me, right? We were right about to go when we realized that we ain't got no coats. We hadn't been home in five years. And so the coats we had when we moved from Boston weren't the coats that fit anymore. I mean, none of my kids had coats. None of my kids had any winter clothes. And we realized... Oh my goodness, we're, we paid for the ticket, we paid for where we're staying, and we haven't paid for the most important clothes, like what you're going to wear while you're there. I, I, we had no idea. So, so what we did is I called my mom and I said, Mom, we ain't got no coats. What are we going to do? And so what she did is she reached out to the women in the church. I, would, I wish we could say we reached out to the people in the church, but it was the women that responded. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You understand where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> she reached out to the church. All of the women responded. And she said, my, my, my grandkids are coming, but they have no coats. And so we had a bunch of the people in the church gather together and, and donate coats. They, they all said, well, we have coats, and we have extra coats, and we have this, and we have that, and we can give it to you. Because what happened is, is that those people have gone through a lot of winters. So they've accumulated some coats. Guys, hear me. We are going to go through some winters. There's going to be some dry, hard times in your life. But what you do in your winter is that you put on a coat. You bundle up. And you patiently endure through it. But after you've gone through a couple winters and after seasons go around and you've had a couple winters, what happens is, is that you collect some extra coats. Because of what you've been through spiritually, you have some coats that you've gotten through. You learn some things in your winter that you can now give to others that are in their winter. And so what's beautiful about winter season is this is the season when we're looking to help and to aid others. Because when others go through winter, especially if it's a winter that I've been through, I can stand with them and fight with them and, and struggle through it. If, if you have a loved one that, that is lost with cancer or fighting through cancer or even been cured of cancer, then when someone else has that same diagnosis, you can say, well, I've been through that. I got a coat for you. I got some things that I can share with you. There's some winters that I've gone through that now I've learned some things and I can now show you some of the things that I've gone through. Guys, hear me. Your winters are for you to endure, and I would say that your winter is what defines you as a believer. Who are you and who will you be? When things are easy, it's easy, it's great. In times of harvest, everyone wants to be a believer. This is great. Everything you're putting in the ground is coming up. Please, let me put some things in the ground. Let me be a part of it. And I'll say, listen, you can have a harvest, but if you're going to go through a harvest, you're going to also go through some winters. And so where are you going to be? And what are you going to do? I'm going to leave you with this idea. And I want you guys to ponder this. And, and as you leave tonight, I want you to talk amongst yourselves with somebody. I want you to consider right now what season that you feel like you're in. And there are some people that are, that are in some seasons and, 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 and in other seasons, maybe you even feel like you maybe even in two seasons at one, that's fine. But, but I believe all of us are in one of these four seasons. And I think understanding that season and what God is requiring of me in each season is how we produce fruit that will last. Because we're not supposed to just produce fruit in the season that is good. We're supposed to produce some fruit in every season. 
That's what Psalms 1 says. And so my prayer for you tonight is that you produce, that you bear fruit, no matter what season you're in, whether it be dry time, whether it be harvest, whether it be sowing season or winter. Our call of us is in the season of God, in this moed of God that we understand him and seasons and then understand how we are supposed to produce fruit in this world today. Amen? Bow your head. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you and I praise you for being my God in every season. God, you don't promise to do everything I ask you for, but you promise to be with me through everything I go through. And so, God, I pray for your strength through this season. I pray for those that are going through a winter season or in tough times. I pray, God, that they endure. I pray, God, that they learn to fight. I pray for those that are going through dry times. I pray, God, that you will quench them with the, the, that only comes from your word. I pray for those that are in seasons of harvest that they don't get weary in well-doing but consistently fight for all that God is doing in their lives. And finally, I pray for those that are sowing, that as they are thinking about who they wanna be and they're pouring themselves out onto those that are around them, that they consume worship and intimacy in that time, that they focus on time with you so that what's produced from them is fruitful. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you will be their strength, that you will be their peace, and that you will be their joy. We thank you for the seasons that you've given us. And we trust you that you are working things out for our good. We love you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. Would you like to be in the room during a training like this? If you're ready to devote this season of your life to learning to live fearlessly and change the world by knowing God and making Him known, then go to ywamorlando.com and apply for free to our Discipleship Training School.